to the Biblical Principles Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your life. Today, I want to deal with a little bit of a different topic altogether. I kind of want to, if we could say it this way, depart from the Word of God, even though I believe the Word of God is very much a teacher of protecting yourself, protecting your family, protecting the tabernacle, all of those things. I want to depart from that, and I want to bring you a small, simple little lesson on church safety, just basic church safety. Now, before we get into the lesson, I do want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer. I am not a lawyer. I am not giving you legal advice. I am in no way trying to tell you that this is 100% how you need to do it, nor am I going to give you a foolproof plan to prevent any injuries or incidences in your place of worship. But I do believe that it's important to teach on this subject and to help people to understand that it's important to provide a safe environment at the church. And as we go through these lessons, I might do one a month or I might do two or three in a row. I've actually um, gotten some questions about church security, which uh, we're not dealing with security. We're dealing with safety. And also, I do teach a church safety class and um, I've had several people ask me to put the information, record the information, and put it in a way that they could listen back to it. And so this will kind of be a avenue that they can benefit from the lessons again. I do want to say that most of the information I'm going to give you is going to be centered around the United States, the laws in the U.S., and also around the southern states, the southern states. So I won't be dealing with anything up north um, or out west. Uh, I would recommend that before you embark on this journey that you make sure you are very familiar with the laws of your state. I feel like I am very, fairly fluent in the, in the laws of my state. But um, I do want to encourage you to study that out and make a decision based on your own judgment. And so the topic that we're going to deal with today is going to be the topic of communication, the topic of communication. And that being not the fact, sir or ma'am, that you carry a gun, not the fact, sir or ma'am, that you're certified in CPR, not the fact, sir or ma'am, that you know how to use a fire extinguisher, but the fact that probably within a five to ten minute response time from your house of worship or your church, there is an emergency response capable of dealing with medical situations, fire situations, or even in worst case scenario, an active shooter situation. But we must understand that in order to get emergency response to respond to your house of worship or your church, you have to call them. You have to call them. And you say, this is kind of basic with church safety. I was wanting something to deal with active shooter. I was wanting you to explain to me how to um, fight somebody off with my hands. And I, I believe there is a place for that. But I think... And I believe 100% that the best asset that the church has is somebody taking the phone and calling 911 and getting the proper authorities to respond to the situation that's at hand. 
there are many medical situations that will arise in your church. As a matter of fact, if you have a church and you look through your congregation and you see people with gray hair, there is a very good chance that you're going to have somebody with a medical condition. But no matter how good you are with your CPR training, no matter how good you are with your AED, no matter how good you are with, um, let's say, somebody is having a negative insulin response or somebody has been bitten by a bee and they are having an allergic reaction, there is nothing as good as an ambulance pulling up to your facility and providing that care by a certified life-saving person so that they can use all of the available instruments that they have in their arsenal to be able to provide that life-saving care that's needed. But we have to call them. The same thing with a fire. If there is a fire at your facility or your church, it's great that you have fire extinguishers. We at our church, we have so many fire extinguishers, you can barely make a turn without running into one. But in the event that a fire breaks out, we have people who are going to go outside. They're going to call the emergency response people. They're going to stand at the road, and they're going to get those people in there. Why? Because a fire truck carries hundreds of gallons of water that can put out any size fire. A fire extinguisher is just good to deal with a small problem, and it's always good to call. But if you don't have any communication, if you don't call, there is no way that they will just by chance stop by. So let's go through just some basics of this. The first thing you need to do is make that call. If I was um, to make a recommendation to you, which is all that I'm doing, I would have one or two people in the church that their job is to do nothing but call 911 in in the event of an emergency. And that being a medical emergency, a fire emergency, a situation where there's an active shooter or a disruptive person in the church. There's nothing that's going to be able to deal with that situation as quick as an emergency response team will be. But you need somebody to go outside and place that call. Now, this is what I want you to think about as you're placing that call. I want for you to think about two things. The place that you are calling from and the physical address you are calling from. That being said, when you call for help, do not be like, well, this is Jane Smith, and I live down by the strawberry field, and I've been at church this morning, and I'm, I, I was standing in the middle aisle, and I noticed somebody was doing something, and so this is what I did, and now I'm trying to call police. And you know what the first thing they're going to say is? What is your address? You don't even need to give them any information about you. Basically, what you need to do, and this is just a fictitious address, you need to say, we have a medical emergency at church number one, or the name of your church, at 00 Main Street, give them the city and the zip code. And you know what? Immediately, that person, that um, responder will be able to be dispatched because You have given them pertinent information that they're able to use. All they need is the name of the church and the address. Now, if you want to go into more detail after they have that information, that's great. It's great to stay on the line with them. I believe somebody should go to the road, especially if you have a long driveway or if you're in a rural area and stand at the road and wave them in. But if they don't have the address and the place they're going to, it's going to be of no value. And so that person who is that number one person to communicate in the event of an, of an emergency 
needs to know the physical address to the church and the name of the church, and that's what they need to give them. They need to go to a place where they can make that call that's quiet, and the emergency responders can hear what they're saying. So communication is key toward any church safety team, and there needs to be people who that is their job, that is their position, is to be able to communicate with emergency responders. That could be an older person. It might even be a younger person. There'd be nothing wrong with using a 15-year-old who has their head on right, and they're pretty quick to be able to get outside the church and be able to make that call. And that call can not only save lives and property, but it can get people there who are trained to respond to the situation and the emergency that you are facing on that day. So there are three things I want you to think about as you think about this communication piece that we're dealing with today. The first thing I want you to think is somebody needs to make a call. And the reason that somebody needs to make a call is because seconds count. The second thing I want you to think about is commit. And by commit, I mean commit to do something. If you make that call, go to the road. I would personally prefer to have one man at the road or a woman at the road and somebody close to the facility to wave them to the door. A lot of churches have multiple entrances, and those commitments that you make to do something can provide the emergency responders with with life-saving machinery and equipment and the seconds that it takes to be able to save a life. And so as you make that call, realize seconds count, but then commit to do something. Now, on the other side of that, there needs to be people inside of the sanctuary who are ushering the crowd in a direction that would be most conducive to the situation. So, for instance, if we've got Grandpa Jim, and I'm just using fictitious names, and he is having a heart attack, we don't need the whole church watching our volunteers rip his shirt off and apply an AED and begin to provide him electrical shock treatment to his chest. We need some people inside the church or the facility to be able to usher the crowd in a direction that would not only provide them safety, but would also provide some privacy to Uncle Jim. Because in the event that he does make it through, which the chances are probably pretty good if you can get the call made and the proper equipment is provided and the proper procedures are followed, He's not embarrassed with the fact that somebody sat there and watched all of that transpire to him. And then lastly, the three things I want you to focus on, that call, that because seconds count, that commitment to do something, I want you to focus on the children, the children, realizing that children, especially young boys, are extremely curious. And if you don't have somebody outside or somebody keeping them contained, then as that ambulance, fire truck, or police car pulls up, you're liable to have children running everywhere. And so you need to think about those three things. I'm not trying to complicate this. This doesn't have to be a complicated thing. You just need to realize that, hey, one of the greatest assets that we have is communication with medical, fire, and police departments. But we have to call them, and we have to make the call, We have to commit, and we have to pay attention to our children. Now, as we think about communication, I would like for you to think about what you can do, what you can do to be a better, to be more safety conscious 
in your church. And one of the first things that you can do is you can learn. You can learn something. You can learn something that you do not already know. Now, how can we learn? One way we can learn is podcast. Podcasts are a great way to learn. I'd like to give you four podcasts that are extremely beneficial, and I hope they don't mind me giving out the name, but these are four podcasts that I listen to. They're really good. Um, Everybody doesn't enjoy everything about them, and I'm not saying they do, and sometimes they do get a little a little wonkish in the way they think, and they're a little dogmatic. But, I mean, you could pick one of these four, listen to one a week, and it would help you because over a period of a year, you'd listen to 52 different podcasts that would help your mind to learn something. So number one is going to be the church safety guys. Number two would be church security through prevention. Number three would be the church security answer man. And number four would be the church security roll call. All of those are good podcasts, and they will help you to learn something. A lot of those men have put in hours. They have put in hours worth of study just to do a 15- or 20-minute podcast, and you get all the benefits of the stuff they've studied. It's free of charge. You can turn your phone on and listen to it riding down the road. Another thing I'd recommend is Google Alerts. And by Google Alerts, it's very simple to program that into your phone, and you can just program in a different topic, and every time one of those topics runs across Google, it will send you a notification to your phone. The next thing I would recommend is YouTube. YouTube is an endless source of information. I understand that everything on YouTube is not clean, it's not perfect, but there is some valuable stuff on there that you can learn about church safety. Online forums. If you go to Google and type in different subjects that you might be interested in, And as you think about, and we'll probably get into over time, the people that you want to incorporate into this safety team, but those online forums can help you tremendously. Why? Because somebody else has spent hours, if not days or weeks, studying a subject, and they've condensed it all, and they've provided it all for you to listen to free. It's free. All you got to do is sit there with your iPad or your computer and read it. Now, in the midst of dealing with a computer, I understand there's darkness on the internet, and I try to be as careful as I can. I try to put up roadblocks. I try to put up um, different sorts of things that monitor me, but there is a tremendous amount of value in the internet because it's free. The next thing I'd recommend, and I'd recommend this for any safety team member, but especially a safety team leader, and that's the book, The name of the book is called Verbal Judo by Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. For $5, you can get this book on eBay. It's free shipping. There's nothing to it. It's an easy read. You can knock it out in a couple hours if you're committed to it. And what that allows you to do, what that book allows you to do, is it allows you to realize that every situation doesn't doesn't require me to go to fisticuffs with a guy. I can just very simply, a lot of times, talk him out of the problem. And what you're going to need on your safety team is a man that is capable of doing exactly what that book says, verbal judo. Just talk to him. You learn how to read people. You learn how to deal with people. And a lot of times, you can literally talk them off of the wall. Somebody who is going to do some harm or do some sort of action against your church, you can deal with them in a way and get them talked down. The next thing I would recommend, and this is all under the learning phase, is um, 
some sort of protection, some sort of protection for you. Our church personally has a very good insurance policy, but I would recommend this company not because I get any money from them, not because I know anybody there, but because I feel like it's a reputable company, and that's U.S. Law Shield. It's going to run you about ten ninety five a month, $11 a month, and it will cover you in all of the civil and criminal protection that you might face as an individual. You say, well, that's a lot of money, $11 a month. Well, it's not a lot when you figure the cost of one hour with a lawyer. And also, you have to understand that U.S. Law Shield not only protects you at your church. If you have a good church with a good insurance policy, you probably have some protection under that policy. But that gives you zero protection at the gas station. And so for $11 a month, you have constant access to attorneys that can help you in the event you get into a situation or you need advice about a situation. Another thing I would recommend, Centurion Bible College. It's a one-year certified college course. You take it online, and it's on church security. It's college accredited, very good program, excellent information. And it, it, is, it does have a cost to it, but the benefits of it is you can take it at your house on your own time, and you can continue to learn because, as the old saying goes, knowledge is power. We can walk through life like a bunch of dumb donkeys, And you know what will happen? We'll end up getting hurt. Or we can learn something, and the things that we learn could not just save our life only, but could also save the lives of our fellow church members. Here's Here's some training that somebody at your church needs to have. Somebody needs to be trained in these different things. Number one is going to be CPR. Of course, that is... CPR. That's what it is. You can get this usually free. Um, I would personally recommend that you have a member of your church go and get trained on how to teach CPR. That being said, so that you can occasionally, maybe once every quarter, depending on the size of your church, or once every six months, y'all can all sit down and you can teach CPR right there at the church. Number two is going to be BLS, which is basic life-saving. Very important, critical, critical to a good church safety team. Number three is going to be an AED. Remember those gray hairs that I talked about earlier? If you look through your congregation and you see gray hairs, there is a good chance you're going to need an AED. Now, if the heart goes into defib, there's nothing that you can do outside of providing treatment from an AED. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person, but I am of the understanding that that is the only solution for that. Now, an AED is going to run you about 600. You probably spend between 600 and probably $4,500 on one. They got very advanced ones that even talk to you, but you're going to need one of some sort to help save the life of somebody. You say, well, that's a lot of money. Well, how much is a life worth? The fourth training that I would definitely recommend, and this is critical, this is critical, it's Stop the Bleed training. This Stop the Bleed training teaches you how to provide life-saving measures in the event that there is an active shooter. It's going to teach you how to provide or 
It's going to teach you not only how to provide that service, but also how to perform that service, Being meaning very simply a tourniquet, an Israeli pressure bandage. There's a lot of stuff that this class will teach you that will help you to save lives. If you go in and you get to study in church shootings, a lot of church shootings, and I'm very careful here, okay? I'm going to tread very lightly, okay? And I don't want you to think that I'm making fun of anybody. I'm not. It's very serious. This is part of my, my life is this church safety stuff. A lot of people die not from the gunshot, but from the fact that they were shot in the arm or the leg and they physically bleed out because you don't realize that the response time of law enforcement and paramedics can be upwards of 20 minutes before they actually get a paramedic into the building because if you have an active shooter, they have to clear the building. They're not just going to run in there. So if you take one of your church members and they're shot in the arm with a, with a let's just say, average size pistol, they're going to bleed to death before the paramedics are able to get into the building. So I want you to think about that. It's not, the course is not that hard. The course is not that difficult. It's going to cost you some money, but it's worth saving a life in the event that the worst possible thing that happens, happens. The other thing that I'm going to recommend to you under this learning phase is you need to do some sort of research on local sex offenders in your area. There's a lot of stuff free online. If you drop me an email, I don't care where you're at. If you drop me an email at biblicalprinciples at juno.com and say, this is my location, this is where my church is at, can you give me something that can help me to find these people? I promise you, I've got several just right off the hand that are nationwide. I'm not going to list them, but if you want that information, I can give it to you. But a lot of it's free online. You shouldn't have to pay for any of this. But find out something about local sex offenders under your learning category here on church safety. And then number two, I don't want just I do not want you to just learn. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Um a tremendous amount of the problems, and I have percentages, but I'm not going to give you those. A tremendous amount of the problems in the church are domestic issues. And if you're a pastor or you're a leader in the church, or you're a friend of a member who's having marital problems or family problems that are not necessarily church-related, you need to let somebody know on the safety team that, hey, uh, Bill and Susie over here have got a wayward son, and he's making some dangerous statements. Or Jim and Tina, and these are just fictitious names, Jim and Tina are having marital problems and he's not staying at the house anymore and he's not coming to church. Those domestic issues are big deals. Those are big deals when you're dealing with church. Why? Because they know those people, where they're going to be, at what time they're going to be there. And a lot of times those incidences erupt at the local church. The second thing I'd like for you to listen for, restraining orders. If somebody has a restraining order or they have put a restraining order on somebody, the safety people need to know about that, okay? Reason being, that's a legal binding document. There has been a court somewhere that has said this person does not need to interact with that person. 
And immediately upon those people arriving at the facility, at your church or house of worship, you need to immediately have one of your people who are on that part of the team that calls 911 place that call and get the police there. Why? Because a restraining order is a serious deal. All right, next, I want you to listen to what visitors say. What visitors say. Critical. Critical. I have, um, I've been involved with greeting people for years now, and I've noticed that normal people, and I can use this term very loosely, normal people have a tremendously patternable lifestyle that they live. For instance, they walk in, I extend my hand, hello, my name is Jason, our restrooms are here, come on into the sanctuary and find you a seat, and they say thank you. I ask them where are they from, they say the city that they're from, and I ask them why they're visiting, they say, well, we were, we're new to the area and we were just trying out churches, okay, great, come on in and have a seat. You seat them, you give them a visitor's card, you tell them if they need anything, let you know, and you'll provide that for them. Just, I mean, just butter and honey, it rolls so smooth. Here's your other side. Remember, we're dealing with what a visitor says. Somebody walks in, you extend your hand. Hello, my name is Jason. Here's our restrooms. Come on into the sanctuary. I mean, it's a it's a pattern spill. That's, I mean, every church greeter knows how to do this. And that person, instead of saying their name, says, well, um, my puppy dog died this morning. His name was Charlie, and I'm messed up because Charlie died, and I'm thinking about killing somebody. Okay, that right there, that right there is not normal. That's not what a normal visitor says. So when you get that statement, you need to try to realize we've got an issue here. Now, that statement can go a lot of different ways, okay? I've had people, and very just generically, I've had the first thing that somebody said to me was, I'm trying to lose weight, and I've been on this particular diet, and I've lost like 72 pounds, but I'm starving, and I want a roast beef sandwich right now. And I thought to myself, that's not what a normal visitor says. You say, are you going to have problems out of those people? That lady was a problem, yes. But what you want to look for, you know what normal is. You want to look for abnormal. Think about this as you're listening to what people say. You've seen right too many times, so you should know wrong. And then I want you to think about the other thing that I want you to listen to is what church members say. Do you know as a church member one of the most valuable things you can do for the safety team? Very simple. When you get to church, tell them, hey, I have invited a visitor. His name is Sammy, and he will be driving a red truck. You know what that means? When that visitor pulls up, he gets out by himself, even though he's a new person, and all safety team members are kind of alert and attentive to new people, they automatically know, hey, that's Sammy in the red truck and Brother Smith invited him. Do you see what I'm saying? The simplicity of this almost goes over our head because we don't think about it. We're trying to complicate everything when in reality, under communication, we do need to make a call. We do need to learn, but we also need to listen to what other people are saying. And then lastly, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about leading, leading. I understand the pastor's in the lead of the church, okay? And the pastor is over the ministry. I understand that. But you as a safety team member 
or as a church member, need to every now and then take some initiative. Take some initiative. Why? Because it's a, it's a ministry. You want to take some initiative, do something. Hey, if, if somebody's drinking at the water fountain and it's a little kid, and we have, we have this problem all the time at our church, and I'm not saying it because I clean it up. I'm not the only one that cleans it up. And they dribble water all over the floor. Man, get a paper towel, clean the water up, put the paper towel in the trash can. It's a done deal. You know what you just did? You took initiative and prevented what could be a good, an older lady, we'll just use that, an older lady from walking down through there and slipping and falling and hurting herself. You know what? Church safety is not all about preventing the active shooter. It's all about taking initiative and doing what you can where you're at. If you see a lady walking around the church by herself behind the church doing something, Hey, volunteer to say, hey, I'll take care of that. I'll take that trash down there. You don't have to go all the way down to that dumpster. And what are you doing? You're taking the lead. You're taking some initiative. I want you to think about going with your gut. Go with your gut. And by that, this is what I mean. If you're walking up to a vehicle, and anybody who's done church safety for any amount of time has that vehicle that pulls up in the parking lot 20 minutes after service starts, they put it in park, And they just sit there. So you've got to walk out there. If you're walking up to the vehicle and you get about 20 feet from the vehicle and all the hair on the back of your neck stands up, that's probably a sign that this is not going to go like you wanted it to go. So don't just stick your head in the the driver's window and present yourself as an open target to that person. Cautiously approach or turn around and go back and get somebody else to help you. Go with your gut as you're in the lead and take some initiative. And think about this. Think about this. If you see something, say something. Hey, something just doesn't seem right there. Something that just doesn't make sense. Let other people know, hey, I was reading, I was thinking, or I noticed something. See something, say something. And by that, you're taking the lead. And then lastly, under taking the lead, I would run these. They're very beneficial. They're very easy to do. Don't sit in church the whole service and run them, but you can run them sometimes. I mean, there are parts of the service. If you've been in church, oh, Lord, help me. I shouldn't say this. There are parts of the service that are very repetitious. If we're going over the list of missionaries, I've been there long enough. I know the missionaries. And by that, I mean run a what-if scenario. And a what-if scenario is just very simply a fictitious statement of, What if that door was to swing open right now and somebody came running in? What would I do? And what you're doing is you're programming your brain. So in the event that that door does swing open and somebody comes in, you already know what to do. What if those two guys that are on the second row stand up and get into a fist fight? What would I do? And what you're doing is you're programming your brain to be able to deal with that situation in the event that those two guys on the second row stand up and get into a fist fight. I hope this has been a blessing and a help to you. I know it's a little off the beaten path from what we normally deal with. Like I said at the beginning, this is not legal advice. I am not a lawyer. I am not giving you legal advice. I'm trying to help you and your facility with some basic church safety principles. And until we meet again, Godspeed to the brethren.